Hi there, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Do you have a homestead, farm, or just dream of a rural life? This is a show to help you and your kids grow your own food and grow as a person. I'm your host, Cody Hanner. I'm a homesteader, homeschool mama six, and small town enthusiast. I was raised by an old school rancher and blessed by the grace of God to have been exposed to so much of what rural life has to offer. Join me every week to talk about homesteading, homeschooling, and growth with a homestead education. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to season three of the Homestead Education. I can't believe that we are coming up on a year of this podcast. Um, Season three is going to be really amazing. I'm actually going to be recording two episodes a week. One will be devoted to homesteading, personal growth, small business, and another one's going to be devoted completely to homeschooling. I'm really excited about this because over the next six months, I'm going to be traveling to all the major homeschool conferences in the United States, including several homesteading conferences as well. So I really hope that you guys take an opportunity to go to my website. I will link it in the show notes, but homestead, it's thehomesteadeducation.com forward slash events. And it lists all the events that I'm going to be at and whether I'm going to be a vendor or a speaker. And I'm just so hoping that I get to see so many of your faces at these events. And that you come and introduce yourself and tell me that you've been listening to the podcast and tell me what you love and hate about it. Because I am, but I'm not even worried because over the last year of this podcast, it has hit the top 100 home and garden podcasts in three countries. Can you guys believe that? I'm being listened to in the United States, Canada, and Australia. And it's just such a blessing to have so many of you tuning in and listening to me each week. I just want to remind you guys of all the homeschool curriculum that I have created for preschool all the way through high school on learning homestead science. Uh, Throughout the year, make sure you're following the website because I'm going to be releasing a lot of new products this year that are just going to enhance your homestead homeschool experience. Now, I want to go ahead and start our year or this season off to a really powerful start. And with that, I have a guest, Emily Ruschel, which I'll be introducing here in a moment. And the reason I am having her on is because she just has such an amazing mindset on how to really embrace an amazing version of yourself through I've I've recorded this episode in advance. So I want to say that her and I talked about a lot of really great books and programs that I think that everybody should take a moment to go check out. So I wanted to tell you before you started listening that down in the show notes, I've listed all the books that her and I chat about. So I don't have to say that each time when we are interviewing. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and move on to my interview. All right, everyone. I have Emily Rushell here today. She is a farmer's wife, mom of two, entrepreneur, sought after motivational speaker, podcast host, and the leader of retreats and masterminds across the Midwest that inspire and propel rural women toward their truest, most aligned goals and priorities. (laughs) So hi, Emily. How are you today? I'm so good. And I'm so looking forward to being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. So, you know, I was I was telling you before we started recording, I came across your podcast recently, and I was just so blown away by what you're doing. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I'll rewind it just a little bit to give some context. Oh, yeah, I guess tell us a little bit about yourself, too. No, it's okay. (laughs) It's all part of the story to even explain how I got to where I am today, because it's certainly not where I ever expected to be. Um, I grew up in what I thought was a small town in Southern Illinois, just outside of um, the St. Louis, Missouri area. And I always knew that I wanted to live more rural than where I had grown up. Um, Loved the community that I was in, but I just have always been deeply rooted or attracted to like the wide open spaces. So I always kind of knew that that was in my future. I just assumed that it would be like a little bit more out of St. Louis, but (laughs) as fate would have it, I found myself a husband who was a farmer. And as uh, I'm sure a lot of your listeners can relate to farms don't move. So people do. Um, So uh, let's see in 2016, I found myself back on his family farm 
here in West Central Illinois. Professionally, I have my undergrad degree in elementary education. I thought I was going to be a classroom teacher for the rest of my life. Like how cute, right? Like teacher and the farmer, like all American dream. And after five years in the classroom, I hadn't been assuming that anything else would come about. Like I said, I thought I was going to be in the school I was teaching in for the rest of my career and had kind of a leap of faith moment where I happened to see an ad from our local YMCA, um, like a rural branch that serves um, our greater community pop up for a program director position. And so, like I said, on a whim and a total leap of faith took that and was so blessed to be able to serve our community in that way. And being at a small rural branch kind of started learning the ins and outs of of business and HR and fundraising and all of these things I would have never had experience with in the classroom. So that's really what opened my eyes to this world of, okay, I thought I would always be a teacher. I thought that that's the only thing that I was good at to, wow, I am like learning and doing so many different things. And so I was pushed into all these professional growth opportunities And along the way, started my own personal growth and health journey, which prompted me to start sharing online because I wanted to connect with other like farm wives or rural women who are also interested in personal growth. Fast forward um, a few years later, I left the YMCA last year to pursue entrepreneurship full time. Good for you. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I had like no game plan. I knew some things that I wanted to do, but like the little ladies at the Y would be like, what are you going to do? And I would try to explain, but I didn't really have a plan. And they're like, you're going to work for the internet. I'm like, yeah, kind of like, I'm going to have a podcast and I'm going to, I'm going to start speaking. And they were like, how do you get into that? I'm like, I don't know. I think I just say it. And then it happens. And that's basically what it did. Um, So over the past I think there's some truth to that. Yeah, I that's what so many people will be like, how did you how did you do this or how did you get into that? I'm like, I kind of just decided and then started doing it. Like it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um so now over the past year I have um like you said in my bio, I travel to speak. I love MCing events. I have my own podcast called Gather and Growth all about personal and professional growth and development for rural women. Um, I bring together rural women in masterminds on a virtual basis and then now also in-person retreats. And so really my heart lies um, what sounds like your listenership of women who are in rural communities who Mm -hmm. are pursuing goals and dreams in a lifestyle, maybe outside of what they've always known. Um, That's really the passion for me is like so many of us you know, did all of the things, checked all the boxes, went to college, got the degree, was president of all the clubs, married the farmer, like had the babies. And we woke up and we're like, (laughs) is this, is this it? Like I did all the things that they said was going to make me happy. And something's not right. Right. So there's just like this inner knowing of, of exploration and personal growth is such a huge part of that. So Mm -hmm. what I'm so passionate about is helping women specifically from rural communities, like tap into their inner knowing and figure out what they actually want and pursue that. And I think, you know, big dreams, obviously we think like, oh, business, running a marathon, climbing a mountain, but, you know, whether it's like, I want to be home with my kids and I want to homeschool or whether it's, I want to have chickens in my backyard or, (laughs) you know, like there's such a broad range of what these dreams and goals that we set out for ourselves look like. And what's important to me is helping women like really listen to like, what do I actually want my life to look like for me? You know, I just, I love everything that you just had to say. You kind of uh, jumped right into like what I was going to (laughs) tell. No, it's great. What I was going to tell the listeners is I think that us rural women are underestimated because Mm -hmm. we are a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. But we're so busy doing all the things then I don't think that we grow like we should. And Mm -hmm. I forgot to grow myself. I was so busy just being mom that after my last pregnancy, when I had really bad postpartum depression and stuff, I was just like, I put out my flame and Mm -hmm. I know where my flame needs to be. And that's what led me to where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. And And there's so much, um, and I, and I agree. And obviously everyone is unique and different, but I think that there's this um, call to service that so many of us have. We want to make the world a better place. We want to 
um, raise our kids well. We want to give back to our communities. We love being part of our small towns and our families mm-hmm. and these generational farms. But what happens before we realize it is that we are giving everything to everyone else, which eventually puts ourselves last. And it's not on purpose. We know like, oh, self-care is important. But like, when, how, what does that even mean? Like, it's not right. just spot day. Well, and one of the things I'm actually teaching on and speaking on this year is raising self-sufficient kids so mm-hmm. that we aren't spending our time chasing the kids around and doing and doing and doing for them and everybody else. Mm-hmm. That it's everybody is a part of the home. Everyone's a part of the farm and that it's not just our job to mm-hmm. handle and manage everybody. Yeah. Because uh, how much of it is like expected of us and how much of it is expectations we create <laughs> in our right? mind for ourselves? Like, does anyone actually think we need to do that? I don't know. Not always. You know what? I think it's um social pressures. Like it's mm-hmm. it comes from the outside and it's not really needed and you're not doing anybody any favors by doing it all for them. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm an Enneagram three, so I'm an achiever. So if I do anything, I like want to do it gold star. Like <laughs> whether it's mom being, you know, like I said, president of the club, like being involved, I want to do all the things and I want to do them awesome. Right. So I am learning how to let go of that. My business goes just constantly like you need to do your personality test. And I'm like, oh, there's no time because I'm too busy doing all the things, you know. <laughs> the road back to you is the book you need to read. Don't take road the road back to you. Okay. I'm going back to, to you. write that down because <laughs> if I, I had a if I had a dollar for everyone I've convinced to read that book, I would have I'm probably, the same way probably with... like ten dollars, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way with the four agreements. Like, I think everybody needs to read that book. I just started that book this morning. I oh. literally got like 12 pages in. Yeah. You'll probably be done by the end of the day. I mean, it yeah, is, it's pretty it, short. It's a short read, but it changed my world. Like I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one who thought this stuff. And mm-hmm. no, oh my God. Like, I'm so excited for you right now. In fact, I have a podcast episode. It's called Finding Confidence in Your Homestead Journey or something like that. But it's basically a book review of that book. <gasps> okay. So I need to go listen. To go check it out. It was one of my I'm earlier ones. So I was a little scared, but you know, the, the content was still great. <laughs> it's okay. Hey, my first podcast episode is called Do It Scared. And I'm pretty sure my voice was shaking the whole time. So I feel it. <laughs> I totally understand. So road back to you. The road back to you. Yep. Okay, so I'm having you on early in the year because everybody is excited about, you know, the new year, new me stuff, Mm -hmm. which I actually came across your program a little bit later, but I think I just, I want to talk about it Mm -hmm. on the bigger picture. So do you want to tell us a little bit about You Do You? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, (laughs) it's okay. You Do You 82 is a habit challenge that I created actually back in January of 2021, which means it's in two years now, Mm. which is crazy. And so basically how this challenge was born is um, the prior fall, I had decided I wanted to help some friends and family through a habit challenge I had done the previous year, even so 2019. Um, So in 2020, I'm like, hey, this particular popular last 90 days challenge um, is coming up again. It really made a big difference in my journey. I, if anyone wants to do it with me, sounds great. I'm expecting like, you know, five friends or something and Uh it snowballed into more and more and more people. And by January, there was a couple hundred people in this Facebook group. Oh, that's awesome. And I, yeah. And so I'm like, okay, we got to continue the momentum, but like, I've already done this challenge. So we looked at some other different things and it didn't, nothing made sense. Inclusivity is one of my core values. And I just wanted something where everyone could do it, no matter whether they were a stay-at-home mom on the farm or a 20-year-old, like, you know, intern at a big city or whatever. I wanted something that, like, everyone could take it and make it their own, but we could be together. And so that's where You Do You 82 was born. Basically, it's an 82-day habit challenge where participants choose six habits to intentionally build or break for 82 days, I already said that, but uh, (laughs) through the lens of progress over perfection. So the thing that makes this unique compared to a lot of habit challenges is first of all, you get to choose what it looks like for you. So some people take this super professional or really health focused, or um, some people like spin it towards pouring into their relationships or different parts of their business. Um, And it does also challenge you to get really clear on what you actually need. This isn't like a, 
oh, this girl's doing this six habits. That's what I'm going to do because that doesn't necessarily work. Our our lives are Mm -hmm. so different. Our bodies are so different. Our priorities are different. So it invites you to get intentional and clear with yourself on what actually serves you in the season. It's not what you used to do before you had a baby. It's not what you wish you would be doing. It's like, what makes sense right now? And then secondly, like I said, we do it through the lens of progress over perfection. There are other programs that exist where you start at the beginning. And if you miss one thing on one day, like you fail back to the beginning, you're trash. And that just (laughs) isn't sustainable because even if you do it, most people end up sliding back to where they were in the beginning. That's not how life happens. Like Like, I do my progress trackers with lots of colors so that just at the end, I get to see all the bright colors and that feels good. (laughs) Yeah. But like life happens, a kid gets sick or it's harvest or whatever. And the best thing that we can teach ourselves is to let go of the need for perfectionism. Like I said, this is something I've been working on (laughs) and to learn how to stand back up and try again, you know, to not look at that and be like, Oh, I've missed three days. I stink. I'm going to tear this up and throw it away. There's one more thing I didn't do. Right. It's like, okay, well maybe these habits aren't aligned with what actually makes sense. Maybe this isn't what I actually need. Like I'm going to stand back up. I'm going to try again. I'm going to evaluate and I'm going to keep mushing forward. So instead of looking at what days or things we didn't do, we just at the end celebrate everything that we have accomplished and all of the growth of an intentionality that we had throughout the way. So it's a totally free challenge. Absolutely anyone can start anytime. Obviously there's a lot of people jumping into it right now being mm-hmm. the new year, but um, my favorite time to start this challenge is like at the beginning of harvest or planting because that's when everything goes crazy and I need a little bit of focus. I like to do it like these types of things in the spring because it's all like everything's fresh and new. Yeah. Yeah. Winter's a, winter's a wacky time to start anything. Plus I always listen to like my happy podcasts when I'm like starting my seeds and stuff. So yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I will say back in, let's see, November or so I was kind of going through a lot. I had started therapy. I was kind of on my own healing journey. And I'm going to be honest, like 82 days just felt like forever. So I created a little baby sister to UDU 82 called UDU 32. Same concept, just like for when either 82 days kind of feels impossible or you need a little jump start. So I actually started a round of UDU 32 yesterday for, uh, for January, mostly just because we traveled so much in December. I needed a I needed a recentering. Right. Well, and I love that you practice your own preaching because mm-hmm. sometimes that's the hardest you're like I have all these great ideas but I can't do it in my real life <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely so, so it's definitely grown and evolved over the last two years but it's just been such a blessing in helping women from so many walks of life but especially the rural women in my community like learn what it means to really put themselves at the top of their priority list in small ways and in big ways but at the very least like putting themselves up there versus again that like mm-hmm. I do everything for everyone and I'm last place because yes. honestly it's not sustainable and it's not good for us it's really not and I love that you can just pick up your program and just start mm-hmm. like I could start right now like I could print it out and get going yeah. Yeah. which I I downloaded it I haven't printed it yet because we were shipping this morning but <laughs> I, I I'm kind of excited about it like I have a habit yeah. tracker in my planner but I'm like I feel like if this one is just sitting right up front like it'll make me see it every day and like I said I like that you can pick it up yeah but, yeah well, and I have a I'll have a whole workbook with mm-hmm. like some more tips and tricks and a kind of explanation of the why behind different things there's a page in there with ideas for habits again this isn't mm-hmm. like a copy and paste but sometimes we're like where do I even start right. oh and some <laughs> so. great book recommendations that went on my list yes. so yeah yeah atomic habits mm-hmm. definitely for sure now my favorite part about your program is that they need to be measurable things mm-hmm. yeah yeah because I think um you know it's pretty easy for us to be like just for example, I'm going to eat healthier. Well, what does that even mean? You know, you get to the end of the day and you're like, well, I was kind of healthier. I ate six Oreos instead of 14, but like, is that actually, is that healthier? So yeah, I do. uh, And this comes from me being a teacher and having smart goals, like drilled into Mm -hmm. my brain of like, you have to be able to say definitively at the end of the day, like I did it or I didn't do it. 
Um, so again, it forces us to get intentional and get clear on what it actually means. Like if you're talking about nutrition, for example, is it following a certain plan? Is it like eliminating a certain thing out of your diet for 32 days? Is it adding a vegetable with dinner every night? Um, and I think the more clear we can get, the more precise and measurable, the more likely we are to stick to it. Cause gray area, like it doesn't hold us accountable in the same way, like yes or no does. I completely agree. You know, like last year, my word or phrase of the year was positive personal growth. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. And like, you know, whenever I fell, you know, whenever I fell behind, I could just jump right back in because that was part of that growth journey. And yeah. you know, at the end of the year, I reflected back on it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my business grew, you know, my health got better, you know, like all these great things. And I was like, well, I don't want to do the same thing this year, mm-hmm. but I want to keep on that track. Like it feels really good. So my theme for this year is intentional growth. I love that. So like I spent like all week after Christmas downloading like Goodreads so that I could track, you know, how many books I read this year. And I did a conquer challenge so that I could, you know, track how many miles I ran and got a reward for it, you know, and did it with the kids too. Like I sat down with the kids and I said, like, everybody pick a goal for the year. And I was so excited. Like my dyslexic daughter, she wants to work on her spelling. So we downloaded IXL for her. Um, One of my boys or her twin brother, he's uh, put on a little bit of weight, just kind of going through that like chunky 14 year old stage, you know? And he's like, well, I really want to work on that and work on like uh, my training, my dairy calves better. So Mm -hmm. I couldn't think of an app for that, but I got him a fitness app for his phone Mm -hmm. so he can track his calories and just be more aware of what he's eating because he's kind of going through that like carb phase too, you know, like I'm just going to eat like a loaf of bread for a snack, you know? (laughs) Right, right. Like I just wanted him to like actually start seeing what he's eating rather than actually being on a diet, you know? Yeah. I think uh, I've had so many parents do UDU 82 with their kids. So Mm -hmm. maybe you could do a a family affair. I'm thinking about doing that so they can check it off and see it. Which then the best one was I asked my five-year-old what he wanted his to be just to give him like where he can join in and be part of it. And he's like, I don't know. And I was like, do you want to learn how to read? And he's like, no, I want to be better at catching chickens. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, let's do it. Let's valid. <laughs> you know, valid. We are uh fair every year is very Charlotte's Web, and we have a family fun night where the kids do like gunny sack races and grease pig mm-hmm. contest and all that stuff. And one of them is they let like 300 chickens go in the arena and let all the kids chase chickens. And he caught one last year, so it's like it's a big deal. Like he has to be the best chicken catcher in town, you know. <laughs> you know, you're listening for to a podcast geared towards rural women when. <laughs> <laughs> When the side chance is about catching chickens. I love that. I love that. And that's that's what makes UDU 82 or 32 so cool is that it can be any age, any goal, any Mm -hmm. habits. Um, I'm just totally imagining my kid like, you know, walking up, trucking up to the barn in his muck boots (laughs) to like practice catching a chicken and coming back and like marking it off on his list. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But it teaches them to be accountable to something, Uh right? Whether it's brushing your teeth or going outside to run around. It's like showing them how to develop these goals and intentions and stick with it and Mm -hmm. give themselves grace and celebrate their progress. Like, gosh, that would have been so nice if that's the way, that's the way so many of us had been uh, to raise to think about these things. Like, you know, I think you mentioned in your bio, I don't think I read it or I'm on the, for the podcast, but like you're a box checker. And it's like, I love box checking. Like it makes me feel so accomplished mm-hmm. at the end of the day or the end of the week. And um, I think there's not enough credit given to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know. My husband doesn't understand the lists. Like <laughs> why? And I'm like, cause I get everything done and then I get to mark it off and then I feel good about myself. And if I did something extra, sometimes I add it to the list so that I, I was going to say, do you ever write the thing you already did just to cross it off? Cause yeah. that's for sure me. Like that was really important, but I didn't put it on my original list. So it's <laughs> going on the, going on there now. <laughs> I could definitely relate to that. Or like when I downloaded Goodreads to like do all the books that I wanted to read this year, I entered all the books I read last year, like, cause it Obviously. was still in 2002. So I could get credit for them. <laughs> Obviously I actually just re-downloaded that app and updated it. I got into uh fantasy books for like the first time in my like life since I was 
probably 12 at uh, the end of 2022 at the uh, prompting of my therapist. Cause she said I was reading too much personal growth. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> she was like, uh, do you ever read anything not related to work? And I'm like, no, I don't understand. And she was like, maybe you should try fiction so anyway i had to download goodreads so i could update everything i've read in the fiction uh, i've actually like made a deal with my husband when he's like stop working i can switch to reading and like usually like i i do have like you know a business book sitting by the bed and stuff Mm -hmm. and you know a homeschool book on my phone and Mm -hmm. another business book on my audio that you know Mm -hmm. but if i read even though I'm working on a history thing right now, if I'm reading history books, he lets them count as not working <laughs> <laughs> because I enjoy reading them. And then I like yeah. talk to the family and the family enjoys hearing about it. So yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So it, that's my compromise. Like, I don't think I've read a fiction book in probably two or three years. And I used to love them. Like I had bookcases full. Yeah. And um, so I have one sitting on my desk, right. Or on my bookshelf right now. That's like, it's calling for me and it's like it's called hell's half acre it's Uh like it's actually not a fiction book it's a fictional documentary about a serial Mm -hmm. killer family in like the old west that's scary (laughs) (laughs) well I heard about it and I was like I'm kind of intrigued like I think I need to read this so it's not exactly a fiction but it's definitely not my it's not for work yeah it's (laughs) It's just for me (laughs) I love it so let's talk a little bit about um, building community and with rural women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is like one of my favorite things to talk about ever. Um, <laughs> and I think it it's so interesting because, you know, we're in these small towns, these rural communities that we love. And what I'm finding is that so many people um like may or may not have connections to their local community, the people around them. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes it's hard when you feel like you're the only person that's on the path that you're on or that you're thinking about the things that you are. Um, A lot of the women that I work with are maybe building businesses or sharing online or really just starting to make choices for their family that's different than the way that they were raised or what's normal what's normal for the people around them or who are just starting to challenge the notion of like why am I even doing this like is this making our family happy and I think that that can take what is already prevalent in like the isolation of living rule and make it feel even more more isolated um it really does I mean and especially when you're working in this online space you feel like all of your friends or the people that you really connect with are somewhere else mm-hmm Absolutely. I grew up in a really small town, like 1700. And I had these two best friends that I did everything with. I mean, even into our twenties when we had kids and we we would grocery shop together. Mm -hmm. And now I live a thousand miles from nowhere. And sometimes I just want somebody to grocery shop with that isn't my husband and asking why everything costs so much. (laughs) For real, for real. Oh my gosh, that's a whole nother tangent. Right? Yeah. And so I think it's really hard, especially when you're stepping into something different. Um, I know like with homeschooling or pursuing a a path in homesteading or just building a business, whatever it looks like when you're Mm -hmm. doing something that no one in your proximity is familiar with, it elicits this level of questioning or fear of, and a lot of times it comes from a place of love because people want to protect Mm -hmm. us and keep us safe if they care about us, especially family members Uh or friends. But um, I don't know. Are you familiar with the, the bucket of crabs analogy? Gosh, I've heard it. And now it's like, totally just went, but let's talk about it. No. Okay. So basically (laughs) in a, in a bucket of crabs like literally a bucket with crab animals in it (laughs) if one tries to get out and is like close enough to the edge that they can pull themselves out the crabs will always pull them back in yes and instinctively humans are actually the same because anyone stepping outside of the societal norm um creates a sense of fear or insecurity Mm. in the the people around them so it you know people are going to like ask questions or pull back or, you know, be salty in their own way when you're trying to do something that's outside of what they know. And it can be very scary for them and very threatening because sometimes it can even shine an insecurity on 
what they don't have, whether it's like the bravery to do something different or the mindset to see something else being possible. And so that can feel even more isolating. And I know for me, what has been so powerful is leaning into a community, even online, of just finding other women who maybe are doing similar things or not, but at least like understand what my life is like, because let's be honest, living mm-hmm. on a farm in the middle of nowhere is different than how it most is. people live. You know, oh, yeah. I have great friends from college who are so endlessly supportive of everything I do, but they just don't know what harvest is like. Like no. they can be as supportive as they want to be, but they, they just don't know. Or, you know, like we joke about, it takes me 45 minutes to go to town to get groceries, but uh-huh. like people who don't live that lifestyle don't understand like the 8 million domino effects that come with that reality. And yeah. not to say I would trade it for anything, but, you know, to find women who not only get that, but also have the expansive mindset of, of wanting to be intentional with their lives or do something different or, um, you know, chase big dreams, whatever that looks like, like that has been so powerful for me. And in the the work that I've done over the last year and a half, bringing those women together from literally across North America, like Canada, Mexico, like all over the country in these masterminds and in these retreats, it's like, there's this wave of relief of like, it's not just me. Like, I thought I was crazy. I thought I felt like the only person within a hundred miles that has anything going on like this in my brain. And whether uh-huh. that's whether that's real or imagined, it's the reality. And so it feels like it. It feels like it. And so then you start to question yourself. You're like, am I, am I crazy? Right. Is this a bad idea? Like, am I doing the right thing for my I am family? a little lucky that I live in a hotbed of like <laughs> online people. Oh, so there is, I can probably off the top of my head, think of 10 huge influencers that live in my town. Oh, wow. I mean, there's literally 15,000 people in my whole county. That's wild. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of respect for that, but it's because a lot of people can't work up here unless they're on. So whether that's working remotely or creating their own businesses Mm. with what they're doing, we're just so rural. Yeah. And I think there's just so much power in finding, um, whether it's with the people physically around you or online of just being intentional about putting yourself out there to connect with people who are on parallel journeys with you or even further along. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would love if you could speak into this more with, uh, you know, the, the community that you're connected to, but I've just had seen that have such a big impact over the last year. Well, and I mean, I know that for myself, like that bucket of crabs analogy, oh my gosh. So like, mm-hmm. like I said, I grew up in a town of 1700, um, actually in Northern California, which everybody, nobody thinks of Northern California or as California as this like rural tiny area, but Northern California is not Los Angeles, <laughs> not Los Angeles at all. I mean, I grew up on an 1800 acre cattle ranch. My dad was a hunting guide. I was an ag major. It was all farming around me. You know, I, I, you know, on the weekends, we weren't like going to the beach and to the malls. We were, mm-hmm. you know, up in the woods, like four wheeling and playing in the river and stuff. You know, I mean, that was, that was our life growing up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when I left, even when I left for college and then came home and then left again, everybody was like, what are you doing? Like, why mm-hmm. are you just leaving this? And I actually get some backlash now that I'm leaving. because I left because I thought I was like better than people. Mm-hmm. And no, I don't think I was better than anyone. I just knew that I wanted something different for my life. Yeah. And we're just, you know, we live different paths now and that's okay. But yeah, coming to the community that we're at now is another really small community and Mm -hmm. we're really happy with it. And, but we are completely surrounded with like-minded people. That's amazing. And it's, I can feel comfortable talking about whatever I want to talk about. I can feel comfortable. Well, I don't wear very many like political shirts, but my husband does. (laughs) And, you know, I don't have to like worry about people like not being happy with us for you know his mm-hmm. views that he very loudly portrays you know um and I you know everybody I talk to like my whole community it's great like when it's canning season or harvest season just everybody's working together like it's I love that and I you know, it's a really big Mennonite community and everybody mm-hmm. works with the Mennonites really well like we're all very interconnected in our I mean because like I said, 45 minutes from town, sometimes you just literally need pig feed and you can go to the neighbors and get it. And I think that's yeah. really great. 
Now, is your husband from the area where you live now or nope. you both? Wow. Okay. So we, I would be interested in what that experience was like. So yeah, we actually, um, when we first left California, we moved to Oregon first to be near his dad. Okay. And, but he, that was the only person we knew in the area. And that was a little easier to integrate at first because our kids were still going to public school. Mm-hmm. So we you know we started meeting people at church right away. We started meeting people at, uh, you know, the school drop-off line, sports, which my kids still yeah. do sports. But, you know, when it's they're doing sports with like their best friend versus a kid they're meeting the first time because we're homeschooling now, that's a big difference. So yeah, one of my friends from college, she her parents had a hunting cabin up in this area. Okay. And after college, they decided to move into the hunting cabin because it was free rent while they kind of just figured out what they wanted to do. And they got married. So my husband and I came up here for the wedding and I had been to this area before because I had got headhunted for a job in this area and then ended up Mm. not taking it, but I came up and visited. And so him and I came up and we got to looking around and we were just like, this is it. This is where we need to be. Wow. So I think it took us another like year, year and a half. And we came up and um, I was pregnant when we moved here. And, you know, so like right off the bat, like we're trying to set up the farm and I couldn't even go to church because I was so sick. I actually had blood clots in my lungs with this pregnancy. And so like, I couldn't even walk to the kitchen. I gained like an obscene amount of weight, you know, which was has been hard on me and one of my personal goals this year. So Um, I'm actually working with a doctor on it because they're like, we don't know why you're gaining. Like it all like stemmed from this horrible pregnancy and all the, like my body attacked itself afterwards and stuff. Wow. But so we just didn't get like integrated in our community right off the bat. Like we weren't going to church. The kids weren't doing sports and then COVID hit. So like COVID hit while the baby was in the NICU. (laughs) Oh my gosh. The way we actually met most of the people we know is while the baby was in the NICU, like I went into labor eight weeks early and we had to go three hours away to the closest like intensive care unit. And um, so I had told one of the ladies that I had met another homeschool mom, what was going on. And she put together a meal train that like my five kids were home alone, basically. Like, and my husband was back and forth, like checking on everybody, but he had to be in both places. Yeah. My kids had a hot meal every night. The mom would call me while she was in the house and let me know, like, I walked the house, like nobody's on fire, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, <clears throat> we live right by border patrol and for Canada mm-hmm. and the mom, the, all the wives of the border patrol guys put together breakfast and lunch food for the kids. So they would drop that off in the mornings for the kids. Wow. Uh, we had a rain, we had a big like wind and rainstorm and our fences went down and the fire department, the volunteer fire department came over and got our horses back and got the fences back up. And okay. so I asked the kids, everybody that comes to the house, will you get their name and phone number? And they did. And I called each one of those people afterwards and we went to their house and brought them food and thanked all of them. And that's how we got to know our community here. That's so cool. I have like chills. It's so cool. It was amazing. And so we have just really, ever since then, like we raise hogs. And so every time, you know, there's a fundraiser or someone gets sick or something, we donate pork or we donate a whole hog and people like they can raffle it off and, you know, make a lot of money for whatever program. And then we just donate the hog to it. And, you know, it makes it where our farm, you know, our farm like supports itself. Gives us a little bit of cash flow during certain times of the year, but really is just like kind of paying us back for what we've put into it all year long. Yeah. But we're able to really support our community through this. And we also, we raise 4-H pigs too, which that's where a lot of our income comes from, but it makes it where we can connect with all of the kids that show in like three counties. So that's really nice. How cool. Oh, what a beautiful blessing of a community. Gosh. It's it's really it's a wonderful community here. And so every opportunity I get, I really try to jump in. You know, I actually, I worked in the community for a while. I did real estate, but like I said, after the baby and how sick I got, I knew that I wasn't igniting my flame anymore. Mm-hmm. And the last, I like thought back when was the last time I felt like on fire. And that was like when I graduated from college and was working in ag. Yeah, And I was like, I, I got to go back to that. And But like, you know, there's a, we live right next to like a 
hop farm for Budweiser that yeah um they, they are looking for people doing what I used to do which was the food safety and like quality control like I was the pain in the butt you know <laughs> and I thought about it and I'm like that's going back to work 60 to 80 hours a week yeah. like I want to be home with my family and even real estate I could do part-time or the kids could ride with me to go do shows and like I was still part of my kids lives yeah. and that's how I kind of ended up going down the path of writing starting my website and writing my curriculum and the podcast and I've actually been able to leave real estate at this point it completely replaced that income that's incredible and our my community like I said is really supportive of this type of entrepreneurship as well because they know what we do to give back to the community yeah wow that's incredible now I still need to find a church but that's a whole nother (laughs) when we live 45 minutes from town like now that we're out of the routine of going to church we haven't been back in like three years and I'm like this is just not us but you know (laughs) it's life right now that's Uh life most definitely. There's a church a little closer to us. I think we're going to get that on the list, but you know, we got to where we really enjoyed our Sundays at home and. <laughs> ah, well, it's just, um, it's hard. There's just all the things to do and not to say that that's not a priority, but mm-hmm. there has to be a moment of like, what gives? Like we well, only have so much bandwidth and so much time and so much energy. And I look at it with our location you know, we do devotions every morning for school and we are actively involved with many of the people that would be part of our church community if we went to church and we donate to the churches and, you know, several churches, like, I don't feel like I belong to any church. So any church that comes to us and is like, yeah, do you have anything you can donate, you know, for this family? Like we always try to jump in, you know? So I feel like we have our own ways of doing that, but yeah, Mm -hmm. with, the farm and the kids and the businesses and the farm business. And, um, you know, we're 4-H leaders and my husband's mm-hmm. on the volunteer fire department and I teach at our co-op. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then my business has taken off where I'm going to be speaking in a different state almost every weekend for like from February through July. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm super excited. So like, it, and you know, you talked about how sometimes you just put it out there and it happens. Yeah. And that was something that for me, I knew where I wanted to be, but I didn't like, I didn't go into like networking type situations to be like, and I'd like to be a speaker. So if you could get me in for that, like, I just put myself out there as the person that I wanted them to see me to be. Yeah. And I started getting requests to speak at events. And then the podcast I started going on, I started getting requests to talk about topics that I didn't even realize I was putting off. Uh-huh. Like, you know, I write the homeschool curriculum for teaching kids, you know, common sense and self-sufficiency and those types of things. And I started getting asked to come on podcasts and talk about like motivating homestead kids and raising mm-hmm. self-sufficient kids. And next thing I know, I'm getting asked to come and speak on raising self-sufficient kids. And mm-hmm. I kind of had to take a step back and be like, when did I say that? You know, <laughs> like, And then I realized that what I'm offering to teach and the programs I've put in place for our family and what I've talked about on our podcast is reaching people. Yeah. And that, you know, I've had so after some of my interviews on other podcasts, people calling me or messaging me and being like, I'm in tears right now. I didn't know anybody else was going through what I have gone through. And I was like that, that's where I need to reach people. Uh Like, I still want to keep doing my curriculums. Like, I think they're amazing. (laughs) They, they fill a niche that it was not out there before, Mm -hmm. but to be able to reach people, I have always hated when I felt alone. And to know that there's like to be able to put myself out there that you're not alone and I want to help you. That feels even better. Yeah. Well, cause isn't that what we all want to be seen and understood at like a deep level? Yeah. Like it's one thing to have a surface level conversation, but when you feel like someone really understands what you're walking through mm-hmm. and has been there or is in it with you, like, there's no greater comfort than like, oh, you too. Yes. And I, I kind of like, I talked to my kids and stuff and I said, Hey, we've got some unique situations in our home, you know, my kids and my husband. And I said, do you guys care if I basically put that out there for everybody? And they're like, no, that's fine. You know? And 
they actually like it because the people go, oh, are you the kid with dyslexia? Like, it's so great to meet you, you know? <laughs> but, you know, we have a kid with dyslexia. We have, um, and she helps me run my whole business. We have a kid who's autistic and he raises and trains dairy heifers to the point where there's purebred farms selling him animals that would never sell before just so he can show their heifers. Wow. Um, we have a son with ODD. I don't know if you're familiar with that one, but holy moly, it's oppositional defiance disorder. Yep. And they are defiant against everything. And there's so many people out there that they don't want to tell people that their kid has a diagnosis for something that's about defiance. Like that's something that society basically says you're supposed to keep secret. Like if yeah. your kid is being defiant, that's a taboo right. subject. Or it's your fault. Which yeah. is not, but oh, no. yeah, not with ODD. Holy moly! Yeah, I know. I was I was a teacher. I know. <laughs> oh yes. Okay. I re- yeah, that one is exhausting, and you know he even pushes back against societal norms. You know, like where like he won't wear tennis. He wouldn't wear tennis shoes for PE. He would only wear cowboy boots. I have like a whole podcast episode about that one. <laughs> you know, and it was just a disaster. And you know, now he's, you know, like school wasn't for him. So now he's training to be an electrician's apprentice and he's doing wonderful, you know, I mean, but at the same time, like last night he got in trouble for losing his brand new AirPods and went right into like ODD mode. And it was, you know, an hour long process of like just getting him out of that mode when we were just trying to reach him on, Hey, you need to spend some time, find your AirPods and get them connected to your new cell phone so that, you know, and it's, it's a, one of those battles, you know, like having a husband that's a veteran, like that is a whole nother like process. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like Same. he's trying to think of a business name for himself for a little project he wants to do. And he's like, maybe it should be the obnoxious vet. And I'm like, no, I don't condone that behavior. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think that I think- that's, you know, just being out there and being raw is what's yeah, absolutely. Doing, and I think it comes back to like knowing your family and doing best with doing what's best for your family. Like you said, in in an area where previously like people weren't having these types of conversations, like what you know we've gone through with our son and like anxiety and um, you know different forms of therapy, and then my journey with like mental health and therapy and diagnosis. And it's like I cannot, and I'm like an open confident person and mm-hmm. we are exist in an era where we have information we have books to read we have the internet we have podcasts to listen to and conversations and it's like I can't imagine what it was like walking through this a generation or two ago when mm-hmm. first of all no one knew what was going on and no one was going to talk about it even if they did well I even remember you know I was the only kid in my really big high school because even though I grew up in a small town like we went to high school in another town. So it was like 2000 kids in our high school. I was the only one with Tourette's mm-hmm. and nobody understood it. Yeah. Of course now it's a, it's almost like a TikTok thing or whatever, but I've since <laughs> eight years old have had Tourette's and it's a constant. And there, there was no internet for us back mm-hmm. then, no social media to know what else everybody was going through. Yeah. And I think that sometimes some of the things our kids are exposed to aren't always positive, but if they can channel that the right way, that it's such a blessing. Yeah. Well, to, to see more people like them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, social media for adults and teens, that's a whole other topic. And of course, <laughs> right? there are negative ramifications <laughs> and a whole host of issues. But I think especially when we think about teens and the way that they have social media, they have access to feel seen in a way that no other generation has been able to at their age. And I think that's a really mm-hmm. incredible thing is that I think it could be really powerful. Yeah. Well, there's just this like openness and inclusivity, um, you know, Gen Z and even what's below them, like that gets a bad rap, but they're my favorite because they are just <laughs> like, they don't care because mm-hmm. they just see everything. They know so much and there there's just so much of these like societal bounds that they're not phased by or buying into because they're like that's that's made up like who cares mm-hmm. oh, and I, I love think, that I think there's 
I don't know. I think that generation's pretty awesome. I think they're going to turn the world upside down and I'm here for it. Awesome. So I, I'm noticing time starting to wrap up and I think that we could probably talk forever, but... Always. Every <laughs> podcast interview I do, I'm like, so do we have three hours? Because right. you get me on the phone with someone interesting, like we're not getting it My husband says podcasting was the perfect job for me because I get to talk to somebody else all the time. <laughs> Literally, it's the best thing ever, <laughs> ever. I love it so much. So my favorite, like, I, I love everything you're doing. And I, I'm going to link all your stuff in my show notes because I really hope that my listeners go and follow you and learn from you and continue with your journey. Um, one question that I ask everybody I interview, which I think is going to be a really easy one for you, is what does keep growing mean to you? Ooh, keep growing. I love this because I ask everyone on my show, what does personal growth mean to you? And this is, I feel like a very similar question. It is, yeah. Um, And it's interesting because I'd say if I would answer this question a few years ago, it would be like in the like constant pursuit of being the best version of yourself. But recently, I think more to me, growing means like becoming more in tune with yourself and constantly like tuning into your inner knowing and like what like ignoring not ignoring but you know shedding the expectations or opinions of other people and just getting really clear on um what is truthful what makes sense for you and taking in new information and constantly being in the pursuit of um evaluating like what place different thing has in our lives and just building our life and our, our existence with intentionality. Um, yeah. That, that, I love that. that. I, th- I feel like that was a real, I mean, that's, yeah. no, it's so important because I think even when people are growing, they don't, they don't always have a path and doing it with intention is, is so important, even if it's the smallest <laughs> intention. So. Yeah. And, and one thing I've really been sitting with, I read the gap in the game last year, another great book. Oh, okay. Um, And for me being an achiever, you know, best version of myself, it's like, I'm always reaching, always, always got to do the next thing that I found myself not able to really even appreciate how far I've come. So it's like this balance between like gratitude and celebration of accomplishment in the ways that we have grown while also like intentionally seeking ways to like continue our growth and nurture our spirit is so important to me now. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Emily. And everybody, please go follow her and listen to her. She's going to, she's going to light the world on fire. So (laughs) (laughs) we all are together. That's why we're here. Awesome. Thank you for joining me today at the Homestead Education. And I hope that I have given you something to think about this week. To help others find me, please comment and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Facebook at The Homestead Education and Instagram at homestead underscore education. Do you have questions that you would like answered or just want to say hi? Please email me at hello at thehomesteadeducation.com. Until next time, keep growing!